Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. And I'm here still with Lisa Rablick and we're continuing our conversation only uh, now Lisa's going to take the reins a little bit. <laughs> uh, we just spent time talking about the entrepreneurial ecosystem, some of the factors that are at play, why you need to care, and then what can you control as a business owner? And it comes down to making your business sellable or having an exit strategy, or as in the, se the sexy word is succession planning. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Uh, Lisa, I'm passing the mic to you, baby. Oh, thank you very much. So I'm going back to my roots. <laughs> so, okay. So, Wendy, what I love about what you're doing is guiding people to towards gr creating greater wealth in their lives, to be able to see that greater wealth, and to be able to see the acts that they perform today create dividends for the future. So my first question is, how do, how should we put our money to work? Talk to me about how money, how do you make money work? So for you? yeah. How is it that your employee, how is it the best employee you've got? <laughs> so I think of money as having jobs, right? Okay. So sometimes when I'm working with clients, sometimes that money is just for peace of mind. Right. Right. So we sure. might be making, uh, you know, emergency funds or buffers and that money just sits there. It's not earning interest. It's not doing anything. But what it's doing is giving you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a very, very important job, particularly for some folks. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So every piece of money has a job and some of that job can be very short term. Some of it can be medium term. Some of it can be long term. And each of the options for each of those time frames has different opportunities that will come up and show up for you. And so knowing which bucket are you trying to fill, like from a time frame perspective, uh, can be very important. And then understanding what would be your rate of return? Because when we uh, invest money in one of those buckets, we're looking for a rate of return. Mm -hmm. The short-term bucket, it's usually small, it's negligible, it's not a whole lot. If, you know, high interest savings account, Sometimes I think of that as a little bit of a misnomer, sure. <laughs> you know, particularly before the interest rates just took their run. If you made 0.25 or 0.5, that was a high interest savings account. That's not high interest. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to, you know, tongue in cheek. And our short term money, that might be money that we're going to need in a year or two. You mm. know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to buy another piece of business or another piece of equipment. How am I saving for that? That could be your short-term bucket. Mm -hmm. And then I think of the long-term, you know, that's 5, 10, 20 years out. How we deploy that will be very different, mm -hmm. right? And some of that might mean as a business owner, we're, we're investing back in the business. Right. Because sometimes when we can control 
how a business grows and we're providing our own capital, that might be the highest rate of return we can get mm -hmm. as we grow. Right. And there comes a time, though, that you may not want to always invest mm -hmm. 100% in there. You want to fill up other parts of the bucket. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So you're talking about buckets and we're talking about short-term, long-term, somewhere in the middle. Um, so where does financial value reside within a business? Like, so I, I absolutely understand tangible assets, you know, so I bought that building and that's worth something. But then there's also intangible assets as mm. well. So like, we talk a lot about IP these days. Yes. So explain intangible assets to me, because if I don't place a value on it, does it have a value? <laughs> Value is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. <laughs> Number one. That's we're always told when we're when we try and sell a piece of real estate, the market will tell us what it's worth to right. some degree. Right. Now, intangible property or IP, it is a sexy topic these days, but guess what? We take it for granted. Mm. How we run our business sometimes, you know, even just the policies, the procedures, and the process we use can be unique and different than anyone else. And I find that really, really interesting because micro-businesses don't necessarily have their processes written down because it's a couple of, you know, it's yep. mom and pop shops. Yep. Um, and it actually is fairly easy to write down your processes when there's just a couple of you. Yep. So that when you start, so it actually, because when you have actual written down processes, it's easier to scale. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about that and why a micro business should be writing it down. <laughs> Always write it down. <laughs> Always. Because there's so many different variables that come into play there. But let's just focus a, a second on, on why you want to do that. Number one is if you can't take two to three weeks off of your business and that business functions fine without you, the business owns you, baby. Mm, oh. You don't own that business to some degree, right? Right. So, and also when we think of long-term value extraction from your business through succession planning, meaning selling your business and having an exit strategy, whether that's to family, employees, or a third party, you want to have it so that you're not integral to the business. Because if you're integral to the business and you want out, mm. that business's value is a lot lower than if someone can say, you know what, that business can run this period of time without me. Because if we look at business as a black box, I have an accountant friend who does this. Mm -hmm. because it's a it's a black box that produces cash. Right. Right? Right. And how it runs inside. If you are in there on the hamster wheel every day so that the cash is coming out the other end, that business isn't as valuable as if there's a whole bunch of hamsters running in there and they're not you. Mm -hmm. And they all have policies and procedures that you've written down that they are following, mm -hmm. then that means your business is way more valuable. So I, I want to have a follow-up to that. Is there, so you've worked with a lot of business owners, um, and I'm going to guess you've worked with quite a few at the beginning who didn't have stuff written down. Yeah. And so is there an emotional kind of battle within for founders and owners of businesses to accept that their business is more valuable when they are not required in the business like right yeah you know what I'm saying yeah. right like you're still the part of the business right <clears throat> like Richard Branson is awesome but Virgin could run without him absolutely agree. right yeah when you when you look at it from that perspective there's a couple of other things as well and it's almost like we have to show the carrot 
Okay. Okay. So the carrot being is that you don't have to, you're not the roadblock to things happening because things can just roll along. You've already set the policies and procedures and the processes so people can actually go, oh, that's how I do that. They don't have to call us mm -hmm. and ask how to do it. It's written down somewhere to go get it. So that reduces some of the strain and emotional load on you. But also it can also be very freeing. Mm. Right. So there's a oh, there comes a time in people's businesses for most of them, if they are still 100 percent involved in the day to day, they start to get tired. Right. Oh, and yes. then it's that hustle, 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 mm. hustle. But they're not going to get out of that because they can never bring anyone in behind them mm -hmm. to do some of that work because right. they haven't been able to explain and show how it's done in a documented fashion. Right. Right. It's a little bit like. Oh, it'll just be faster if I do it myself. Right. Right? Like that's a tied and true trope out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, if you do invest that extra time to get them, uh, uh, you know, people in behind you or those policies written, it will pay dividends way beyond the time you invested in that. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree with you 100%, but it took me a little while to get to understand this because I, of course, have heard, yeah. write everything down, create processes, processes, processes. And part of my problem in the beginning was I didn't know it was a process. Um, I, obviously, I know what a process is, but there are things that I do in my business that, for lack of a better word, I feel are innate. Mm -hmm. um, so how can a business owner begin to basically deconstruct how they work when there's parts of how they work they themselves don't place a value on because it's just natural to it's, them. It's, yeah. So I call it that it's your magic, right? right? So, but you have things like, I like to break it down into different journeys. Mm -hmm. So when we attract a client into our business, that is our buyer journey, okay. right? From the time sure. they learn about us, they have a pain point, they figure out we can solve it. And they say, yes, mm -hmm. I want your stuff whether that's a service or a product, then I think it shifts into what I'm going to call the customer journey. Mm -hmm. And the customer journey too, each thing, there's a bunch of steps that are going to happen each and every time. That doesn't mean there's certain parts that you're not sprinkling your individual magic on, but there's a couple of things it does. First off, it gives some certainty to your staff as you start to bring on assistants and people of that nature, they have something that they can follow and they can understand, oh, they're at stage A and we're going to move them to stage B. And this is what happens in stage B. As owners, I think when we start sprinkling magic, we also start um, changing up and customizing and taking away some of the simplicity. If we've built a package and it includes X, Y, and Z, and we're on the call and start talking about, you know, Q. F, Q, whatever, <laughs> yeah. what happens is it throws everything off. Right, right. And so when we think about how our service and products are delivered, sometimes we need to simplify. Mm -hmm. uh, we just ran a course and one of the guys, he said it so well, we have all these components and what I'm going to start doing now is I'm going to start selling cakes, which means I'm going to package the A, B, and C into one cake and D, E, and F into another cake. And so I'll sell that instead of having six different things that I can put together in different ways, which just adds complexity and probably means that I have to be more involved all the time. So the more simple I can make it. And also, is it teachable? 
Is it valuable? Is it scalable? So if we look at teachable, can I teach someone how to sell this? Right. Can I teach someone how to deliver it? How hard is that? So the more, the more components, the more that I have that can be put together in different ways, the harder it is going to be to teach it and it's harder right. to sell it. Right. 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 So the simpler we can make that, the easier it is. And it's, I think, a little contrarian because it's easy. Hey, Lisa, you're buying a, this from me. Oh, and Lisa also needs this. Well, maybe I should start selling this as well. Oh, and this. So that's when we start to get into, I won't, I, it's almost like scope creep to some mm -hmm. degree. Yeah, sure. We start selling more and more stuff. And in actuality, we will make a more valuable business if we simplify. Right. Right. Oh, that's so, so that gets me thinking about when we simplify, what we can then do is start bringing in, um, uh, partners. So we do projects together with other people who do that other thing that we yeah. could do, but it's not our core. So we yes. bring in, and then that makes us, opens us up to other opportunities. If there's, if there's a bunch of, if there's a few of us marketing ourselves together. So I see that. So let me take it now. Uh, we're going to walk out the business door and we're going to be out on Main Street. Tell me what is the value then that you bring to a community when you start to think like this? What's the difference between that, a company that thinks the way you tell them to and the ones that are still storing stuff in boxes and everything's up in my head? <laughs> well... If we have everything in our head, and I'm going to equate it a little bit. So when I talk to people about money and the stress and anxiety we feel around money, mm -hmm. it's much like that. There's there's little voices in our head. You should do this. And mm. when you should be doing that. And oh, my God. And there's, there's all these voices. So when we simplify and we focus, mm -hmm. what happens is that we're directing a laser beam. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a lot easier to be successful selling one thing because I know who buys it. Right. I know how to get to them. It's simpler. Right. And so what it does is clean up space in your head. Right. Right. So when you when you walk out that door, you might be more engaged with your family ah. because you have space in your head. You're not stressed about as many things. Right. You might be more involved in your community because now you have time and space for that as well. Mm -hmm. And also maybe you have time to work on your business. Right. Because you might can, actually see more opportunities then. Right. Because then you can build on that. Because you're selling cake. Because you're selling cakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what for you is lost when a business closes? And I don't mean the ones that close because they were mismanaged. Yeah. It's just... We had a great time. Thanks so much. Catch you later. Well, it, there's twofold here. So what I see a lot of times is uh, some a lot of people think that I'm just going to sell my business when I retire and that's going to fund my retirement. So if they mm -hmm. haven't been diligent, intentional, and deliberate about building the value of that business so that it was worth something mm -hmm. that they could get a check written to them for... Mm then that means they're going to have a very less happy retirement, maybe one right. that requires way more frugality. So they don't, they don't get to live their ideal life necessarily in retirement. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to point something else out too, is that we often talk about retirement and we talk about selling our business, but we talk about the voluntary leaving of the business. Mm -hmm. If we haven't done the work, there can still be times, well, you may have to involuntarily leave your right. business, sickness, health, 
family, sure. something else that might happen. And if the work hasn't been done to be deliberate about building that business up as a enterprise that can work without you, has value, mm-hmm. you may end up with nothing from that and you don't have any more time to build it. Right, right. So um, as I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you talk about we need to um, make sure the business is ready to be sold. So we have to make sure it still looks good. So we know that about our homes. Yep. And we, so, so we keep our homes up for, you know, like, why am I getting a new kitchen? Cause it'll increase the value. I'm going to enjoy the kitchen, but the way that we um, explain it to our cousin is we say it also increases the value of the house. Um, and we also know that about our retirement savings, right? So if we have RSPs or mutual funds, odds are we have somebody managing them for them and they yep. they let us know how they're doing. So it's interesting. We're smart enough to do, it's like two out of three, mm-hmm. still bad. <laughs> because the third one is actually the one we have the most control over mm-hmm. and the one that has the most potential for the greatest return, mm-hmm. right? Would that not be logical? 100%. Because your house is your house. Like, yeah. Right? House. So a business is a business. It has value. And there are things we can do to increase that value. Right. Okay? We can do things like making sure we do not have over-reliance on one customer, mm-hmm. one supplier, an employee. Mm-hmm. We can do things like the simplification of our product lines to make right. sure it's easy like that. Again, teachable, valuable, scalable. It's about making sure that we're touching base with our clients and doing a net promoter score because happy clients mean happier, more valuable business. Mm-hmm. It's about making sure our cash flow and how we uh, control the levers of cash flow, meaning how fast we bring money in versus it going out. We want to be do- looking at that too, because if it's negative, that means someone buying your business also has to provide working capital. Mm-hmm. So you have to really be looking at it from the mindset of the buyer because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they want a big black box that spits out a lot Right. Of cash. Right. That's what they're going to pay. The more it spits out and the more s- inside works sim- seamlessly and there's less risk because they want predictability and they want to make sure that, that they feel very comfortable that what they're buying is exactly what they're going to get. So I want to pick up on something you've said about the buyer um, and, and how they want to know that black box is going yep. to be and is reliable and they're spitting out some stuff. So. If you're running a business today and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, Wendy's making a lot of sense. Um, How does someone go about trying, getting just a sense of what the market might be willing to pay for their business, even if they're not ready to sell yet, right? Like, right, because in the report that I did, one of the things that came out was that, you know, um, immigrants who are looking to buy business, they don't actually know a lot of healthy businesses to purchase because no one's talk. It, mm-hmm. The news is just not out there. So how how do you te- how do you how do you kick the tires in succession? There's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, the predominant one is, well, I think it's worth this much. That's probably not the most scientific way. <laughs> right. It's not going to hold the least. It's going to hold the least amount of water. Right. Oh, my capital gains exemption is X. Therefore, <laughs> that's the value of my business. But 
there's a couple other ways. I offer an assessment tool that allows people to basically understand the value, not only based on their profit or their earnings before interest, mm-hmm. deduction, depreciation and taxes, but also gives them a score on the eight levers that can contribute to the value of the Mm. company. Because not only do we have this thing called EBITDA, Mm -hmm. but we have a thing called the multiple. Oh, what's the multiple? The multiple is kind of a function of all these different pieces that some of them are a little bit more intangible. How involved you are in the business. We just spent a whole bunch of time Mm. talking about that. The more involved you are, the less like the less expensive or the less of a, of a premium you're going to get on that offer. Right. So if you know every client's name and every story, that's not necessarily good. It's good, <laughs> but it's not good when it comes right, to sure. what valuable your business is. So right. that you got to start thinking bigger. Sure. Okay. okay. Um, and then understanding those pieces. That's part of it. Again, how reliant uh, are over fifteen percent of your revenues coming from one client? Mm. Right. right. That concentration, man, milk it while you can, but be making red, uh, plans to figure out how to reduce that. Right. Whether that is bringing more people on, like more clients on more so clients. that it comes down to a smaller number. Right. You really want to be thinking about these things. Growth potential. How have your revenues been increasing year over year? Right. And is that predictable? Right. Right. Because the more that happens, the more the multiple will be, because it's really about discounted cash flows about, hey, I think this is how much money that's going to bring in over the next five to 10 years. And this is what I'm willing to, you know, from a investment rate of return, I'm willing to invest in this business. So here's what my multiple will be. I love this. And what I like about it is I might not be there today. And I think that's a really important um, message for listeners. It's okay if you're not there. What I find really helpful in listening to you is when I think about my own business is like, ah, now you've given me a goal to head for. And I think that's often the challenge for small business owners in thinking about exiting and things like that. It's like, well, what, like, where do, like, where do I need to, uh, that's all sounds, where do I need to get to? Right. And so then you, then when you bring in the financial planning aspect of my um, offerings, that's where we start to get really interesting. So I call it kind of the power number. Mm. What do my assets need to add up to or my income flows need to add up to Mm -hmm. for me to be able to say, I'm there. Right. Everything else from here on in is just gravy. Right. Right. And that changes your mindset. You're going to change completely in the world when you hit that point. But nobody, so many few people know what that number is. So few people understand. And when you think about your business, Mm -hmm. when you started, it probably wasn't as big a proportion of your overall portfolio, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now as you grow your business and it continues to grow and you are more successful, it becomes more a bigger, bigger part of your portfolio. Right. But it's the thing we haven't measured. We don't know how much it's worth. We don't know how to have a plan to extract the value from that to fund everything. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I'm always encouraging, you know what, we need to look at all your assets and we need to know what that power number means. And then we can then set a goal. Hey, I need my business to sell for X. Mm -hmm. And now I can reverse engineer how, what can I do from not only an EBITDA point of view, but all those levers? How can I make my score go up right. so that I'm going to get that number? I love it. I love it. Um, so as I'm listening to you, 
It sounds like um, when we start to think about um, succession planning, uh, I almost think we shouldn't call it succession no. planning. Because it is actually just good financial planning. It's kind of right? business like, optimization. It's just, yeah, it's optimizing your business. And when you optimize your business, you're going to get more money out of your business. And like, let's face it, quite frankly, if you're investing as much blood, sweat and tears into your business as I am, as you are, then it sure as heck should provide you with more than just a regular income. It should actually be giving you wealth. Right? And, like, and it that, shouldn't yeah. act like a job. Owning a business <laughs> is not do, a job. You don't want to own your job. <laughs> no, you don't want to own your job. That's, yeah. No. <laughs> so what I encourage, there's there, there's a time and a place, because for many people, their business is their baby. Right. And so that may mean we're not necessarily treating it as seriously as we should. Mm -hmm. But if we can start from time to time and over time increasing that, as looking at it as one of our key assets that unlocks the door to my financial freedom, Mm. then that will change how I treat it. It will change the decisions I make. It will change what my priorities are in terms of implementing X, Y, or whatever process, new product, new people on board. It changes it because now you're starting to look at it from a long-term view right? and knowing that, oh, if I do this, that's made my business more valuable. It may never be sold and that's okay because every time you increase the value, you've increased the profit potential that could be flowing out to you to invest elsewhere for your retirement. I love it. I love it. So to wrap up, optimization, because now we've, re we've renamed it, optimizing your business, we know, provides benefits for the, you, the owner, the buyer, mm -hmm. and your community. So can you give me kind of the top line for the benefits for those three groups you the owner who would be the seller eventually or not the potential buyer and the community top line um benefit when you optimize when uh as a business owner when you optimize when a buyer comes in at, well you've created you potentially have created something that is sellable mm -hmm. i mean honestly there are some businesses that just aren't you know sure. physician corporations things right. of that nature right but almost everything at some point has something of value whether that's the ip you've developed whatever mm -hmm. so keeping that in mind when you do that you're going to optimize the price you receive but you're also giving the buyer a chance a really strong foundation who comes in with new energy, new ideas, new perspectives to springboard it to be even bigger things. And then you also look at it, what it does for you and your family. It's about financial freedom and financial security. The first question I ask all my financial planning clients is, what does freedom mean to you? Nine times out of 10, it's to be able to do what I want, when I want. And that's what financial freedom is about, right? And even though, you know, freedoms can cross a whole spectrum of activities and ideas, many of them require funding. Right. So that's where the finances come in. When I ask that question, I'm like, I don't care if it's to do with money because at some point it does. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's the answer to the question. So that gives you financial freedom, which again then allows you to do more stuff in your community. And your community benefits more just by you being there and being more positive and, in a, you know, because you're, you're not as stressed. I love it. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're telling me is my business is not my job. 
However, I can hire money to do the job. You sure can. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, Wendy, thank you for allowing me to be your guest host on your podcast. I have learned so much from you today. Thank you so much. And I am looking forward to hear what you think is the real bottom line from our conversation today. Oh, well, I think it is what I just said, that money has a job to do. It is employee number one. (laughs) Yep in any business and a small business owner should be looking at ways to optimize what they have because this isn't about finding new markets or new uh, customers. It is about understanding the value you have already put into this business, documenting it and preparing it for whatever the future holds because then it will give, it will ensure I have a healthy, wealthy and wise life. Mm, So well put. Thank you, Lisa, for your time. Thank you, Wendy. (laughs) Are you looking to boost your business value beyond just increasing profit? Introducing the Business Value Amplifier, a revolutionary 10-week program designed to help you uncover proven methods to enhance your company's worth. Discover how to transition from feeling unsure about maximizing your business value to becoming a savvy operator who deliberately and methodically pulls the levers of value building. With the Business Value Amplifier, you can expect to take control of your business's growth and be intentional about enhancing its value. Whether you're planning to sell or simply want a more vibrant, predictable, and lucrative operation, this program is for you. Don't miss out on this opportunity to amplify your business's value in just 10 weeks. Go to blackstarwealth.com amplify and apply for the Business Value Amplifier today. That's blackstarwealth.com slash amplify. Your business will thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.